This week, we're joined by Stephanie Ricker, Editorial Director of Hotel News Now, to discuss Travelodge, the view from NYU, and whether you should be racked with a lifetime of guilt for taking a hotel room from a duck. Hello, and welcome to another episode of New Tricks, which is the somewhat regular podcast from New Dog PR, which is me, Emily Newman, and she, Catherine Dogwell. I've gone into my meditative state, tone of voice. How are you, Catherine? I'm very well, thank you. But I I think now that it is very warm in the UK for our traditional small summer that we are currently enjoying, a meditative voice is very good. We don't want too much excitement for people to start passing out. Well, quite. And funny you should mention a meditative voice. And this has literally only just leapt into my mind. But as as I was driving around the other day, I saw advertised a sleep meditative app read by uh, Jamie Doran. If you recall, Jamie Doran was the... um, Oh God! What was the sex one? What was the what was the Fifty Shades of Grey? Oh yes. I don't want. I don't want that to be a safe word while I'm trying to go to sleep. No, I just thought it was something of a slightly slightly odd career step. Um, and I haven't downloaded it, so I can't. No. I can't no. comment on the content. But that 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 very I same noise is what you want, just as you're going to bed, is it? And I'm so sorry for starting the podcast in that way, but possibly may set the so may set the tone for the rest of it. So we I shall. Didn't, I didn't, we were talking about travel lodge for a little while. <laughs> we are going to talk about travel lodge, but before we talk about travel lodge um, and all manner of any other, you know, recently released Foo Fighter albums or uh, meditative apps that you're all enjoying, we're going to introduce our guest, who is the delightful Steph Ricker. Have I done that right? Yes. Uh, who's the editorial director of Hotel News Now, a publication that we all know and love and read hourly. Let's hope. Steph, welcome to New Tricks. How are you? I am well. Hi, Emily. Hi, Catherine. I'm so excited to be here and bring my American Midwestern accent to the airwaves that have been dominated by your podcast by so long. Take off of Little House on the Prairie, the book, not the TV series. Wait, do I have an accent like Little House on the Prairie? No, do you? I probably do. Although I want to tell you about some news that I read just yesterday. Speaking of news, which I bring to the table, there was an article. Oh, I think now I forget what it was in. It said that Gen Z Americans have started to lapse into a British accent when they feel anxiety. Well, what it's they need is a, is, is a good relaxing app for that. They really do. <laughs> And maybe some Kardashian gummies? Always, always. I finished the Kardashian gummies, actually, and they were delicious. Mm. So, 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 so for why? Is it because it's, it's, it's easing an, an English accent? Back to, the, back to the old country, back to I the think... time when times were simpler and you could die of typhus. <laughs> that could be, and they're just hoping for a, a trip to the sea. <laughs> to stave off the galloping consumption that is life here in the U.S. No, it was something about um, how it sort of serves as you can sort of put it up as a persona to lighten the situation when you're feeling anxiety. And of course, they referenced Madonna trying to do it um, some time ago, which, you know, kind of... Because all the time she was married to Guy Ritchie then, is that why Mm -hmm. that was, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair, that's fair. To be fair, I did once see, uh, uh, at the time, very famous actor arguing with a doctor in hospital. And I won't reveal any more detail than that. And he was arguing with this guy in the voice of one of his characters. No. 
Yeah. Like a very distinctive voice so that you could very say much. he is trying was, to adopt the persona he of... He really was adopting the persona of a character who had been very powerful. So I guess he was channeling that to... And the guy at the doctor was just looking at him like he was absolutely stark staring crackers, obviously. So, because that wasn't his, wasn't his normal voice. So if I lapse into a British accent, it's not meant to be offensive. Because you're t- Well, it will be offensive because it will mean that you're tense on this podcast, which won't be any good at all. No, and I am nothing but relaxed, even though I have not had Kardashian gummies. Yeah, I only had the concentrating ones. So I didn't have the relaxing ones. <laughs> um, but accents, actually, now you mention it, Steph, do you have an accent you want to share with the group? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was one show only. We like to talk about, you know, wh- well, here's what I'll say. I love, and I last saw you both at the IHIF in Berlin, which was a month ago now, just about a month ago. And I love that conference for many reasons, not just seeing both of your lovely smiling faces, but because it gives me different perspectives on the industry. Here in the States, we go to the same conferences and hear the same voices from the same stages. So let's just say I love to hear Sebastian Bezen's French accent from the stage. And that's, is that where we're going to end that particular topic? Oh, yeah. conversation? <laughs> or is this a suggestion for some kind of relaxing podcast they might like to put out? I think that would be great. I love that idea. I would well, listen to... They're trying to get people just to like go to hotels and sleep in them, aren't they? So, you know, why outsource that and pay for some actor when you've already got someone in-house? Right. And, you know, the Calm app. Mm-hmm. Do you have the Calm app? Okay, so the Calm app, they have the sleep stories where celebrities sometimes are reading soothing tales that are meant to, you know, send you off into dreamland. I think there could be a market for this. I do. I don't have the Calm app. I've got the Jamie Doran one, which is entirely different. Right. But I, there's, there's, I think that we're Calming nothing. Calming voices? Yes, collectively. If we're, we are nothing, accents. if not strategists. And Accor, you can have that one for free. Well, I think if they were to combine it with, say, reading their annual report, there's something for everyone, isn't there? Yes. Like that, isn't there, wasn't, maybe that was just here in the States, but there was a thing for a long time and it might still exist that in some outer island, or it could have been in the UK. Maybe it was We are here. an outer island. That is how we like to refer to <laughs> outer, ourselves. You have a lot of outer islands Blows, where somebody would read like the shipping report. Yes, or, we are that island. Yes. Yes. And people would tune in just for the soothing tones and bam, out like a light. Well, you jest, but there is the shipping forecast every Saturday afternoon on Radio 4, is there not? I'm defaulting to my wiser. And every morning, every morning before Thought for the Day and before, how does it go? Thought for the Day, yes. Shipping forecast, Thought for the Day, today. Farm, No, Farming Today. Farming Today is before that. I used to get up very early to cover the markets. Um, and that's how it goes. And you hear all those things. And it's all the other people who are up early, farmers, fishermen, people who cover the markets. And this is the information they require. Whether and it's is it soothing and nice to listen to? Yes. Uh, sort of. The shipping forecast lovely. In it, when, if you're mildly hungover on a Saturday afternoon, which I used to be, I'm not now because, you know, don't drink and I've got a Wednesday. child and all that. I do drink, but whatever. Um, uh, yes, Saturday afternoon on the sofa, put a bit of cricket on, listen to the cricket commentary, bit of the shipping forecast. Honestly, you've got yourself a prize-winning nap situation. <laughs> that sounds so nice. That sounds mm-hmm. really nice. Well, you know, we'll send you the link. Um, right, Steph, you mentioned... Um, conferences and whatnot and we do like a conference um 
Were you recently, can you either confirm or deny these rumours that you may well have attended NYU? I may well have. I may well have, yes. And how was it? What's the goss? Tell us everything. Well, you know, and it's funny, I kind of disparaged conferences a second ago. I was <laughs> saying that everything is the same. But I think maybe that's just me because I've been covering this covering this industry for 14 years that sometimes I joke that I could write a story before I even go to the conference. Um, but this year, it, here's my take. <laughs> my take is that this pandemic changed hoteliers and this industry so much so that they've got this optimism about them, at least here, that were it any other scenario than the super high demand and great performance and great operating environment that they're living in, if it were this scenario with, you know, zero transactions, zero opportunity at financing a deal all sorts of problems getting money and placing money, they would be running around like chickens with their heads cut off talking about how terrible everything is. But I will say the mood at the NYU conference last week really was optimistic. And I know that that sounds so cliched about every, you know, insert any industry here, but they really are riding high on this fantastic operating and demand environment, which is still persisting. It's changing absolutely changing but it's still there this is very this is very hopeful it's very optimistic this is very positive but there is an old adage that we say on the outer island here um that sometimes um things ride high and then what goes up must come down or any other metaphors that leap to mind about growth height and falls um so it's changing you said is it how are we feeling about the change the collective we the sector so they're very careful. And when I say they, I mean most of the CEOs on the general session panels, um, which, you know, you uh, kind of take with a grain of salt, but they they set the tone for it. They're very careful to say in particular, leisure demand is not slowing down, but the word they use is normalizing. And that's kind of <laughs> been the sentiment for a while that, you know, it could not keep up at this breakneck pace. Um, so yes, leisure demand normalizing. And then the idea behind it is that, oh, even if this huge, because the last two summers here in the States have been, we talk about this term revenge travel. It has been that in spades. I have not chosen to take a leisure vacation over the last two summers because I faced the airport enough for business travel. And it's horrible. It's been just hordes of people. Everything you would imagine about, you know, lines at Disney World and lines of cars going into national parks. Some people love that. That makes me want to cower in a corner, listen to the shipping report and just rock back and forth. So that level of summer revenge leisure demand has just been huge. And so this year, Obviously, people have a little bit less to spend, although if you listen to anybody in the hotel industry, they love to talk about how, oh, now people believe in the right to travel and this, you know, this demand is going nowhere. It's going only into experiences and not into goods, which I kind of, you know, I have a little bit more of a cynical, cynical. Oh, rubbish. What? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm totally giving up buying a washing machine so that I can go to Tahiti. So that you can write. I'm just exactly. gonna, yeah, no, I'm just gonna wash all my stuff in the river. That's what yeah. I'm gonna do. I mean, that's the more authentic experience. Just beat it on a, you know, really? tin, <laughs> on a tin pail, and then hang it up in the sun. Exactly, so, experience-driven washing. 
experience driven everything. <laughs> so that's going down a little bit. But then, of course, they think that um, international inbound is going to supplant that, which also a tale of many cities not necessarily happening. Wow. I did read a fascinating story yesterday about, about your cues that said um, that air, air rage was now a significant issue. Um, something I believe in The Economist or The Economist, you know, had commented on it. Um, but yes, because people are, are crammed into these spaces, some of them hot, many of them unpleasant, um, and are just beating the, beating the crap out of each other. A, because there's so many of them and it's also frustrating. And B, because they're confused about the stress of travel, which, of course, they haven't enjoyed for a long time. And then they were like, oh, no, yes, it's like you have to go there and then it's a lot of standing. Yes. Yes, so- it's hot, it's hot, steamy. Back to Jamie Doran. Um, but what really they all need is a meditative app courtesy of Accor to be, you know, there's there's a commercial opportunity here. The whispers you know? of Faz. Faz whispers. Yes. It would Sorry. reignite the passion for travel. Mm. Uh, that would be the tagline and that would then start to become troubling. Entirely. Well, ye, Jamie Dornan. Um, I have to move us on seamlessly. Um, <laughs> right. The next question, which we've written down in the vast, vast preparation for this podcast is, hold on, squints to read, how's the economy generally and travel sentiment specifically looking from your side of the pond? I think we just kind of answered that, didn't we? That's Tell exactly, us- yep. Violence, yeah. full of violence. Done. Um, <laughs> right, okay, in which case, we'll move on, seamlessly, to, um, and I know this is a conversation that's been had a lot, but I like, <laughs> we've had thoughts about how this conversation could move on ever so slightly. In in the, So the question is, how many brands is enough? Because, you know, we actually, have we had one this week? We do. We haven't had a new one this week, what have we? Have done? This week? No. no. If it helps, I was trying to work out what, what if Boris Johnson was a brand of hotel, which hotel brand would he be? Oh, boy. Oh, and? Double treat. <laughs> For is why? it? Because it serves no individual purpose on its own. It has no theories or beliefs. Uh, everyone likes the sugar rush from the free cookie and it helps build pipeline, i.e. win elections. Ultimately, it's self Ah, this is brilliant. This, this is brilliant. And possibly, you know that delightful column that you did a couple of maybe months ago where you likened all the same like dogs. To dogs, could you do? Could you do UK politicians to brands? No, I mean, no, I don't. That's the best one now. <laughs> this is fantastic. I love it. Yes, well, most of the Tories are like a kind of tra- crappy travel lodge, aren't they? Ah, oh, now they're all at travel lodge. They're all different, aren't they? They're all different. Some of them are crap. Some of them are lovely. Some of them are very expensive. Some of them aren't. Some of them have morals. Some of them don't. Together, they are the Tories. Would you buy them? Would you? Would you? What would Therein you do? lies the question. Yeah, that is the question. That is, that is in fact the question. Um, so can I play can I play Rory to your Alistair? And can you enlighten the viewers on the latest from Travel Lodge, if unless they have not read either the delightful column from Hotel News Now or the delightful column from New Dog? Uh, well, what are you doing listening to this? Is it, is it because you can't read that, um, that is, I don't want to have to read stuff out to you? Um, it's, there, there is a service for that. And once again, it's provided by The Economist. Um, my uncle, that's how he gets to sleep. He listens to the the oral version of The Economist. 
Uh, European version as well, uh, even though he's American. That would do it. Well, it really does. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, so the owners of Travelodge, Golden Golden Tree, that's right, with a big T in the middle, uh, they sucked up all the other shareholdings and now they're like, hey, we want 1.2 billion uh, billions for this. Can we have that? Does anyone want it? And they've refinanced recently. Things are looking okay for Travelodge. So usually this is the time they like to get sold before they have another few CVAs a little bit further down the line. Um, and there's been some light speculation as to what that might entail. 1.2 billion is quite a lot to pay for something that is not riddled with assets mm. and is very much a mixed bag, as we'll all recall from when we had to listen to um, Baz chatting last uh, summer 2020 to various people who were thinking of changing their travel lodges to an Ibis and it was one of the greatest all-time calls because lots of those travel lodges are owned by little individual families and things, not massive sovereign wealth funds and, and whatnot. And they were all like, so, Mr. Basin, what am I going to do with my mattresses? Are you going to change my mattresses if I become an Ibis? And he's like, uh... <laughs> oh, the details will be sent out. Details are details will be sent out. There so, it is. Exactly. Now I can only... There it is. There it is. Like this, I should have bought also my pink watch, but it is over there. I think it is. The battery has run out. And well, Catherine I think it's more qualified to present a, a unbiased French accent, I would argue. That's why they threw me out. <laughs> <laughs> so who do you think, who do you think the, who are the contenders? I think some other random private equity house. Mm-hmm. Because they, as you as you said, they've got money to spend and they've got to spend it. And travel lodges is nothing else a recognizable brand. They can go to their mm-hmm. boss. And go, Look, I spent it. Scale. I spent it nice. I spent it nice. Well, there we go. Place your bets now. Exactly. But then, what will happen after that is still anyone's guess. Because next time it goes tits up, and that sounds cynical, but you know, history um, teaches us. History teaches us. It should do. Um, uh, that, that maybe there'll be an opportunity to then divvy it all up and destroy it. That's what many people want, and those many people are, in fact, Whitbread. Well, mm, yes, exactly. <laughs> I was wondering when Boring Boring Whitbread were going to make uh, it. Oh, Boring Boring Whitbread, they're not going to buy it, are they? <laughs> no, but they could, because surely a bit of Jolly Harvester, or whatever it's called, you know, sling, sling, sling some of the cash from that and all the... Oh, the they looked at it. It's Jolly Harvester. It's not called Jolly Harvester. What's it called? The F and B brand. Brewers Fair. Brewers Fair. Yes. Fair. I do apologize. I do apologize. Jolly Harvest. I like Jolly Harvester. Well, you know, we're here for a rebrand if required. So not one of those though, yes. But yes, they could. But Whitbread looked over it when um back when Baz was being asked about uh mattresses. And they were like, mm. the cost to upgrade all those rooms is you know, it's almost prohibitive because some of them are so awful. Some of them are wonderful. Some of them are wonderful. I think I've only stayed in the awful oh. ones. I have stayed in one that was okay. I Many, 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 many years ago, I sent an indie band of my acquaintance. Um, well, I didn't send them. They were already going around travel lodges because that is traditionally the use case for travel lodges. Mm-hmm. We fit lots of indie bands into them, into like into one room. And they were going on a big tour of the UK around many, many travel lodges. And, uh, and I had the bass player write me a diary of uh, of how his experiences were from travel lodge to travel lodge and it did not go down very well they were trying to refinance at the time and lawyers were involved <laughs> so the story the story we always like out of travel lodge every year is i think they still do it every year 
toward the end of the year is they release the list of all of the things that people have left oh, behind. Oh, the left behind items. And the granny. <laughs> Someone left their granny. See, and they should have taken them to Accor because you'll remember that one of the features of Accor Local was that you would be able to leave your granny right. with them and they could then <laughs> ship them. Just pick her up on the next, on the next exactly. tour stop. Just brilliant. If your bass player leaves his granny. Exactly. And then they're, they're waiting. Yes, you see, and there's, this is what they should have got into. It's like that in succession where they did the, um, uh, like the old folks' homes. You need to get into these things, people. You need to get into these things. Mm, well, it's exactly, it's all about diversifying your 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 operational real estate portfolio, lifestyle. isn't it? They're always talking about the lifestyle of the customer or the life, lifetime customer, aren't they? Yeah, That's what Margaritaville here is, is all about. So Margaritaville Holdings operates the Margaritaville brand of resorts. Um, and that you, they opened one in Times Square, I think 2019, it was just before pandemic. Don't quote me on that, but they do that company, Margaritaville Holdings, does have retirement villages called Latitudes Ooh. because they want you for the life of the stay. Ooh. See, come with us and start drinking when you're 21. And then retire. I think you get a complimentary blender when you move into a Latitudes property. There you well, go. at that point, you will need oil food blended. So <laughs> That's true. Not just the margaritas. Hmm. I wonder, they could, they could run some interesting studies there, couldn't they? How many people make it to the retirement village existing on purely blended margaritas alone? And is that a better life t- lifestyle oh. way... And this should be a loyalty is, is redemption. Exactly. This sector is into subscriptions now and all that thing. You mm-hmm. like join Marriott, let's call it, uh, at 18 with a Moxie subscription. And then you evolve that subscription up the line. And then, you know, if you, when you're 56, yes. uh, this is money saved. This is the joy of the subscription model. You see, you've already paid up front. Mm-hmm. Well, has subscription more lifetime. lifetime. It's better than long-term healthcare insurance. Exactly. See? And like loyalty just, redemption, membership and loyalty redemption. I like that idea. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be I've done planned. in that front. Mm, definitely. I don't all the ideas. Are they all going to be then incited to come around and like bump you off in the night? Mm. There's a lot of access in hotels. <laughs> well, you bring your own like locks. It's like going to the gym, isn't it? I don't trust your padded lock. I bring my own lock. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Circling back to your original question, Emily, about was the brand. There, was there one? I it, forget now. It was about brands. And it ah. and it's it's delightfully uh, taken many different train tracks of the conversation. But the other topic that, of course, was huge in Berlin last month uh, last month, and in New York last week, and, and what we're talking about a lot across the globe is, and it does, I swear, tie back to the conversation about Margaritaville, but the importance of branded residences and how many brands, of course, you know, when you asked, are there too many brands? Of course, there are too many brands. CEOs love them right now because it's the flight to quality. But that topic of branded residences has been huge for the last 12 months. I mean, it always is because, you know, branded residences get the job done when you're looking at hotel development. But I'm just curious. I hear about them, of course, a lot here. Um, They're taking off in Latin America. But how do they do in Europe where there's just not new development, particularly around luxury? Are they converted? Is it like you can have this branded residence in a beautiful converted 
Parisian building. I mean, the draw here is that they're always new build and fancy and have all the amenities. No, here we have them at the luxury end. You can have one overlooking Hyde Park in a converted building and all the amenities of watching people relentlessly go to gigs in Mm -hmm. Hyde Park being very loud. Um, And then you have to cross like a massive road to get to it. Um, It's all fun. It's all fun. Um, And then also, obviously, with the hotel amenities. Right. You can come back from that experience and have a warm club sandwich. And aren't resorts piling into branded or, or, you know, Piling oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's lots of fun for, you know, if you want to fund your resort, you want to stick like an extra water park in, then, uh, you know, fog off some flats. Yeah, and that's, that's what's happening in Latin America a lot. And they're marketing them to, you know, there, there's so much multi-generational travel happening. So the idea is market the brand residents to grandma and grandpa who will then, you know, allow the rest of the family to come. <laughs> time share, time it's the return of timeshare. Yep, <laughs> it is. It, it's such, you know. You can't keep timeshare back. You can't keep timeshare back. It pops up. Time They're like, yes. no, no timeshare. Timeshare, here it comes. Mm-hmm. Always. Somebody's explaining a subscription to me the other day. I was no, no. No, that's timeshare. That's timeshare. And then you have to sit, like sit back and parse again timeshare versus fractional ownership versus vacation ownership. What mm-hmm. is the difference? What is the benefit? Is there one? Ah, yes. I'm in Mexico. Went, uh, Just let me get conference. out of the airport and get to my hotel. It was very fun. I used to enjoy the timeshare conference very much, actually. It's great. What's not to enjoy? Nothing. Exactly. Yes, we saw some ducks once. Lots of ducks. Scheduled ducks as part of the conference program, or just yes, it was some some hotel in Florida where the ducks the ducks like marched every day at a certain yes. time. The Peabody Hotel, that's the one. Yes. Peabody Hotel, which is famously in Memphis, and they do the duck march every day, and the ducks live in a, on the roof. But so Peabody tried to expand, and they opened this one in Orlando. And I have a story about that hotel. You must so. People often ask me with, and I'm sure you both, so when you travel so much, they'll say, well, have you ever missed a flight? Have you ever gotten it on the wrong day? Have you ever gone somewhere when you shouldn't have been there? And I've never done that where I've missed the flight or gotten the day wrong and showed up at the airport incorrectly. But once I was going to a conference at that Peabody Hotel in Orlando, which was, I think it was the first Peabody outside of Memphis. And I got there. And I realized I had never made the hotel reservation. So I had booked the flight. I was scheduled to attend the conference, but I'd never made the hotel reservation. And I realized that before I got up to the front desk and I went to the front desk and I balderdashed my way into a room at the sold out hotel by insisting that I had made the reservation and had simply forgotten the number. I can't believe I did it. And it was, you know, it was on that I drive, international drive in Orlando, which at the time, you know, now it's hugely built up and I would have been able to find another room, but it was some week where everything was sold out. And I knew that I was not going to be staying anywhere other than the bus station if I didn't talk myself into a room at the Peabody Orlando. And then, you know, that brand expansion went out and I was like, it's because of me because it's because I conned them out of out of one night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you That's want to why there are no ducks afterwards in case they come after you? Well, now I've said it, so okay, it's on the record. I, I did wonder if that story was going to end with you having to go and sleep with the ducks on the roof, which would have. I assume that you dressed up as a duck. <laughs> I felt guilty the whole <laughs> night. 
Did you like? Did you did you need a meditative app to help you? Get I'm to still sleep? talking about it now. I clearly still feel guilty about it. I feel, and I go to the Peabody in Memphis typically once a year for another conference. And every time I walk in there, I'm like, "Is there a picture of me behind the front desk?" But do you get good service? Yes, it's a beautiful hotel. Well, beautiful. there you go. Then even if there is a picture, it's working out well for it. You okay. paid for it, presumably. You paid them. So that's like that is what hotels do. I haven't had to sleep with the ducks. Okay. Hopefully that's not like sleeping oh. with the fishes. Well, this, see, this, is where, this is where my, my troubling thought began, but it, it you didn't, so that's fine. Um, right. Can we just talk a little bit about business travel? Um, Absolutely. Because yeah, you were. She was. I know. <laughs> do <laughs> it as I say, not as I do when it comes to But in, in a non-duck-related way, possibly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, because... The, yes, you mentioned the re- recent conference circuit, which we're all sort of just about recovered from. Um, and uh, the topic that has been rumbling on for some two and a half years now post-pandemic is uh, business travel, because it obviously was everything was on hold and then it was only essential and then it was absolutely, you're absolutely not no going nowhere near anything other than a limited service budget uh, accommodation. Um it's, we would be curious to know what it looks like um, from where you're sat, from what it looks like in the US, because it's is are people traveling, presumably the domestic business market rebounded quicker and now has instru- international business picked up? Tell us everything you know, ducks and all. Yes, I think that's pretty much exactly where it is. So it was, of course, the, the lagging segment to come back here, um, I think everywhere. Um, And it is back, but it's different. And I think most CEOs and hoteliers who are experiencing it would say the same thing. It's back, but it's different. And some of the ways that it's different. So business travel here is very closely correlated with being back in the office, which is one of those things that just not has not fully happened here yet. Although many big companies are starting even recently, just recently, to renew that push to get people back in the office. So as that happens, business travel will pick up even more, that business transient travel. But I think one of the ways that it's different is that the meetings are a lot smaller. And you'll hear companies on their earnings call say, hey, we've always had the the small to medium size event as our bread and butter, even though you think that we're Hilton and that we just host these gigantic, you know, 10,000 person events every other day. No, the bread and butter has always been small to medium sized events. And so they're really leaning into that hard. And where it's different, where you see some changes here in the States is we've got a lot of these big group houses, you know, like um, the Omni brand, uh, for example, Gaylord brand that have been purpose built to host huge conferences and events, even huge weddings and social events. And those are what are rethinking. So at NYU last week, Peter Strebel, who's the chairman of Omni, was very frank in saying those big events just aren't happening. So they're rethinking how they're programming those large ballroom spaces. And and obviously those large hotels are not being built. No hotel is being built. And I think those hotels are being built least of all the hotels not being built. Um, so that business travel has changed and it seems pretty back to normal to me when I walk through LaGuardia Airport in New York City. It seems pretty back to normal. Um, and that volume is certainly there, but there are some differences, whether that inbound 
international business travel is happening. I think in New York it is. In San Francisco, it's not. You know, it depends on what the feeder market is. Asia as an outbound business market coming to New York, maybe not so much to the West Coast. Um, and I think, you know, it's different too when I keep talking about when we were in Berlin last month, but on my last morning there, a giant tour bus stopped in front of the hotel and a group of Asian tourists came off very similar to what you would see in any international city pre-pandemic. And I thought, oh, well, there's a sign that piece is coming back. That is the element that is going to catch our industry completely off guard, even though they've been thinking about it and talking about it, the return of the Asian traveler. I don't think especially large international cities, they're not ready for it. Oh, why? It's going to be huge. Talk about pent-up demand. It is going to be huge. So why, in your opinion, are they not ready for it? Have they re... Because they... Well, because they've scaled back since pandemic anyway. Um, A lot of... I mean, you guys know in Europe, a lot of cities are saying, well, we don't necessarily want all of these tourists back in the way that they came back with the footprint that they had. Um. I think it's going to be something that will, I don't know, I, ju- I just think it's going to have a, a an impact that we're talking about it. The industry is talking about it. They're talking about being ready for it, but it's going to come in a, in, a, in a big way. It's a very interesting point. And sweeping delightfully back to Bazan, as all things, all good things must, um, the... Um, uh, the French have announced, haven't they, this week, I default to our Paris correspondent who's, you know, relocated to North London. Um, the, uh, they don't want anyone visiting, I think it was the Mont Saint-Michel, and they've asked people to stay away because they've obviously had this nice quiet or quieter period. And so from a sustainability point of view, everything seems to have, um, you know, got a lot better. And now the, 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 the masses are returning and it's not, not massively enjoyable for the masses. No, well, it's his own fault, of course, for being extraordinarily Instagrammable. So if what they should do is blow up half of it or try and push it closer to the, to the mainland, so you don't have this Garbage kind of bears. nice thing, which looks really, exactly, which looks really good at sunset, for example. So, you know, you, you need to, if you have some attractive thing like Venice, um, obviously, they've got their entry fee. Uh, if you have some attractive thing, you need to make it look just a bit a bit dodgy, um, maybe just a pile of rubbish outside, and then you'll be able to deal with this. And I think that's going to be the next evolution in destination management. <laughs> all the ideas today, all the ideas today. <laughs> it's dark tourism, which we can talk about <laughs> in another episode. Yeah, I think I think we'll have to have you back for that one. Yeah. And in the meantime, the purpose-built conference hotels and repurposing their ballrooms, well, what about a bit of branded resi in there? And then you could, we've talked, we've long, long harboured the glorious idea that perhaps these conference hotels would have such a thing as a nursery or some sort of childcare facility. So why not leap to the opportunity now, um, do that, get a bit of branded resi, sell it, yeah, sell it on to whoever you need to, um, and then jobs are good. Because, you know, which granny and granddad wouldn't want to just live in the basement of a... <laughs> <laughs> I can't see how this is not work. Finest. <laughs> yes, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Put some fake ducks in there. be great. This has been joyful in every single way. Um, we are going to wrap it up by asking you did I tell you we were going to ask you this I did because it says here and we round the episode off by asking guests what their favorite hotel experience is so Steph what is your favorite hotel experience 
This is, is it a ducks? really tough one. And, you know, and I know people are prepared for it. And I always love on your podcast hearing what other people say, what they respond to this question. And it's funny because, yes, in this industry, I get to travel a lot. I get to go to really fun places that are beautiful and memorable. But I travel a lot alone for business, even for fun. I'm a huge supporter of solo travel. And it's not, you know, you can have that great experience, but this is why I come back when you asked about a great hotel experience. I'm going to get nostalgic on you and talk about the hotels of my youth. So here in the States, well, not Travelodge UK, but Travelodge US probably. No, here in the US in the 70s and 80s, the Holiday Inn brand had um, sort of an extension that they called the Holodome. And it was a hotel meant for families. Uh, where inside the hotel there was a big atrium. There would be an indoor pool and an arcade and a little mini golf, you know, putt-putt course and a little ping table. And, you know, it was just this wonderful little vacation inside of a hotel bubble. And so my family, you know, there were five of us, three kids, and our parents would always put us in the car and expect to drive to some historic location like Washington, D.C., here in the States. And we would never make it that far because we would argue with three kids in a car. And so we would stop halfway. And my parents would say, we're not going any further. Our vacation is at this Holiday Inn hotel. And we're going to swim in the pool and play in the arcade and then turn around and go home. And that was it. And it was fantastic. It gave (laughs) you this feeling of really of nostalgic I'm not going to use the word luxury, but nostalgic comfort in a hotel. And so, you know what? That's the hotel experience that I wanted to share with you. Culture. Who needs it? Holiday Inn? Authenticity. There was sometimes a little pizza hut in the Holodome. Who needs more than a pool and an arcade game and a slice of pizza? Whether you're eight or 75. Absolutely. Or older. Or older. Then you bought a residence in that Holodome. Exactly. Or a blended margarita. And that, dear listener, is the thought that we're going to leave you on because it's hot here. It's very hot. And in the UK, we can't cope with anything over 20 degrees. So obviously we're all moaning about it. Um, But um, so do go off and find um, some frozen margarita mix and a blender and a straw and enjoy it on us. Um, Steph, you're a joy and it has brought unlimited joy to our lives listening to you for the last half an hour. Thank you so much for coming on on to this episode of New Tricks. I want to see you in person very soon. Thank you for having me. Cheers, ladies. Yes, it's been most lovely. It has been most lovely. And thank you, dear listener, for listening. Do like and share and subscribe and tell your cast about it. They might enjoy it or not. Join us again next time for another episode of New Tricks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.